Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's go to, to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, is the microphone okay? Okay, okay. Luke chapter 11, and I start from verse 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven so in earth give us day, day by day our daily bread and forgive us forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil now let us pause here it continues but let us pause here Jesus was praying and you know there were times when he used to go aside and pray and his disciples used to go with him so in this instance it appears to me that as Jesus was praying the disciples were watching him pray and so they knew his prayer life. They were acquainted with his prayer life because they were with him all the time. They would see how he would preach, how he would deal with the sick, how he would cast out demons. And then from time to time, he'd take a break and go aside and pray. So they, they understood how and why he did things and how he would pray. And uh, they also saw the results of his prayer life. So... They want, so they said, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. Could you also please teach us to pray? So this is Jesus teaching them to pray. And he says, when you pray, this is what you, how you pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven so in earth. Give us, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive them that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the, the, the version we traditionally memorize, it goes on to say, you know, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. You know, that's the traditional version because each, the, the different gospels word it slightly differently. But we, I'm sticking with this. Now, when Jesus, he taught them this prayer. And what we do is that we memorize this prayer, and I'm sure almost all of us know this prayer by heart, and we pray out by heart. But I believe this prayer isn't just a prayer to be repeated, but in this prayer, we see the, the groundwork, the, the, the framework on which you build your prayer life. This, this, these few verses, they actually say much more than that is obvious. To the eye when you read it. So what he's basically saying that when you pray, you always begin by glorifying God. Prayer always begins by glorifying God. We have to get the focus off ourselves and our needs when we pray. Often, you know, people pray only when they're desperate. They go along their merry way and when they're in trouble, they say, oh dear Jesus, please help me do this, do that, do that. You know, and, but, but Jesus is saying, no, when you pray, you begin by glorifying God. But so the number one thing he said 
he said that you approach God as your father. You approach God like a child approaches his father. Now, which was very revolutionary for those Jews because uh, in the Jewish way of thinking, God was unapproachable. They were not even allowed to mention his name. His name was too holy to be mentioned by, to be spoken by the human tongue. You know, there was no, they didn't have that concept of a, a, a fellowship and intimacy between man and God that a man could just come to God and talk to him. I mean, that didn't exist. So what he was saying was very, very revolutionary in that he said, when you approach God, you approach God like a child approaches his father. So he says, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, glorified be thy name. So you begin by by glorifying the name of the father. You you call him your father and then you approach him and then you glorify his name. So prayer begins by us glorifying God. And then it says, then the second thing after that comes, we lift up the purposes of God above our own purposes, above our needs. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So, we ask, we pray, God, let your kingdom come to this earth and let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Now, the, the purposes of God, the will of God is perfect in heaven because there's no devil there, there you know, there's no sin there. So that is why in heaven there's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no lack, there's no need of any kind. So what God is asking us to pray, he's saying that pray that the purposes of God be established on this earth and pray that heaven become, uh, that I'm sorry, that earth becomes a copy of heaven in the sense that just like the will of God and the purposes of God are established in heaven, they're also established here on earth. And how does that happen? Well, one is through praying this prayer. We pray God that this happen. And second thing, it is through the preaching of the gospel and through the preaching of the word. Now, will this actually happen? That's an academic question. But he wants us to strive towards it. He wants us to, that to be our goal, that the kingdom of God should be established on this earth. Now, will it actually happen? I don't know. But... I'm not even going there. I just want to do what God told us to do. Amen? You know, sometimes we say, well, there's no point praying this because this will never happen. Look at the state the world is in. And in fact, the book of Revelation says it's going to get worse. And yes, it's going to get worse. And, but that's what Jesus wants us to pray. He never said this is going to happen. He just told us to do it. Amen? So we pray, God, let this, let your kingdom come to this earth. Amen. And a day will come when the Bible says, and the kingdoms of this world, they will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That is going to happen one day, but that is the goal. So he's saying that just pray, Father, let your kingdom come to this earth and let your will be done. And a footnote there, your kingdom come can also mean my kingdom go. Many of us are trying to build our own little kingdom. Amen. Amen. There's preachers trying to build their kingdom. There's, uh, everybody's trying to build his own little thing, you know. And we have our plans and purposes. But 
you know, your kingdom come, let your will be done. Here on earth as it is in heaven. Then comes our needs. After all this, give us day by day our daily bread. This also tells me that we should never take anything for granted. The Bible tells us, you know, you, you can build up a big business, build up a, a lot of equity, and tomorrow your life can be taken from you. Remember, there are warnings in the scripture. He says, don't, don't take anything on this earth for granted. Tomorrow you can lose your life. You might not even wake up in the morning. So don't take anything for granted. But trust God every day. Trust him for your, your well-being, for your health, for your life, for your family. Trust, you remember when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness, God sent the manna. But that manna came every day. They had to trust him every day. They couldn't store some manna in the fridge and say, well, I'll eat this tomorrow because it would spoil. It was very perishable. And that's with the things of God. God wants to speak to us every day. Give us this day our daily bread. We trust Jesus every day. Every day we wake up and we pray and we praise God and we trust him and we confess and speak the word of God. I can't say, well, I confess the word of God. I've done it for a whole week. You know, this is kind of paid up. I've got this weekly subscription. It doesn't work this way. Every day we trust Jesus. We walk with him every single day. Every single day. Are you with me? So he says we do this our daily bread. Day by day. And forgive us our sins. Why should he? You know there are some people preaching grace these days. They say well we should never ask God to forgive us our sins. Since we are already forgiven. Jesus died on the cross. And he paid a blanket price for all our sins and we are forgiven. And so you show them this. They say, yeah, but Jesus lived under the law when he said this. So this is not for us today. That is total nonsense. It's, <laughs> it's our daily walk with God. Amen. And all of us, we fail in some way every single day. Not because we intend to, but because we are human. Now, they will, the Bible says there will come a day when we will stand before Jesus and we will look exactly like him. That day will come. But that day isn't here as yet. So as long as God is still working in our lives and of course your life is much more, much better. You have much far greater fellowship with God than you had 20 years ago or 10 years ago. We go from glory to glory. But... There's that other aspect of it. That as long as we are not perfect, there is always room for God to do more in our lives. There are still imperfections in our lives. So with the best of intentions, we make mistakes. We, you know, and we should always be very quick to repent and quick to make things right with God. The worst thing we can do is to run away from God. We should never do that. Every time we make a mistake and remember that you're not the only one who makes them. Everybody makes them. Amen. Nobody's perfect. So welcome to the club of imperfect people. 
But that is the provision that God has made for us, that we ask God for forgiveness and we forgive others. We extend the same forgiveness to others because we realize we are all on this journey together. I'm not perfect. Others are not perfect. So if they, if they fail me and let me down, instead of holding it against them, uh, I have this attitude, you know, God forgives me, so I forgive you and release you. I'll let you go. It's not worth holding grudges. You know, I know people, church people who don't talk to each other because, you know, uh, at the fried chicken dinner, the lady in front, she took the bigger piece that you wanted. You know, I mean, or she took the last thigh. I mean, I mean people, people get upset at, at, at little things that are so trivial. And sometimes people are, are offended at people and they don't remember why they're offended. They just know they're offended at something that happened ages ago. Huh? I say, oh, the music is too loud. Others say, no, it's not loud enough. I like it louder. You know, everybody has this thing going. And the Bible says that, okay, just, just, just forgive people. Amen? In the immortal words of Rodney Brown. No, Rodney King was his name. When Los Angeles was burning, he says, can't we all get along with each other? That's what the man said. Can't we? The city is burning because of him. You know, the police beat him up and they were acquitted and people were on a rampage burning up the city. He came on TV and says, can't we all get along with each other? Amen? So, love people, forgive people. These things are not worth holding on to because the consequences of unforgiveness are great in our own lives. If I, if I hold grudges against people, God will not answer my prayers. That's what the Bible says. It's difficult to get healed if you hold grudges against people. A lot of people, they say, well, I have faith. I, I, I believe God's word. I know about faith. I'm confessing, doing the right thing. But, but uh, what's wrong? Why is nothing happening? Well, maybe you should start looking at that area about forgiveness and grudges. You know, because we often don't think of that because not many people preach on it. But that's, that's important. Amen? So, so, so Jesus says, you know, when, just ask God, forgive me of my sins as I forgive others. Amen? I forgive others, God forgives me, we are all cool. Amen? And then it says here, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, deliver us from evil, because evil is everywhere in this world. You don't have to look for it. Amen. Pray to God every day that he will keep us safe from the wiles of Satan. Never think that you're so strong and so spiritual, these things cannot touch you. They can. And then one day you end up doing something and you say, dear Lord, how did I do this? I mean, why did I end up in this mess? So it's better to pray every day. God, keep me safe. Amen? So we pray this prayer and we think, well, this is what Jesus taught us to pray. But there's more. Let's look at the next verse. Jesus says, still you know, people stop at this verse and they don't realize that in the subsequent verses, Jesus continues to speak about prayer. He's still teaching them. He isn't finished. He says, look at verse 5. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. 
For a friend of mine in his journey has come before me and I have nothing to say before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in, in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity or persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So then Jesus says, now he teaches them to pray. And then he says, now for example, you have a friend who comes to you in the middle of the night where you and your family are asleep and he begins to knock on your door and you get up and you say, who is it? And he says, well, it's Bob, your friend. He says, Bob, what do you want at this time? And Bob says, look, I have some friends on a journey and I was not expecting them. They just showed up at my house. They're staying overnight. They need something to eat and I have nothing at home. Could you lend me some bread? And he will say, Bob, listen, my family's asleep and I'm in bed. And uh, why don't you go back home? Come to me in the morning. I will give you whatever you want. But Bob, he refuses to take no for an answer. He keeps on knocking. He keeps on banging on your door. And he does that nonstop. He just will not take no for an answer. And then he says, then finally, you will get up and give him what he wants. Not because he's your friend, but because of his persistence. And you want him to shut up and leave you will give him whatever he wants. That's what he's saying. Now, this is Jesus teaching his disciples. So he says, therefore, I say unto you, ask and you shall receive. And interestingly, that word ask in the Greek implies continual, nonstop asking. Seek and you shall find. And that word seek in the Greek implies continual, nonstop seeking. And knock and you shall receive. That means continual, non-stop knocking. So Jesus is saying he will give him whatever he wants because of his persistence. And so therefore I say unto you, when you stand before the throne of God, ask and 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 you shall receive. Seek and seek and seek and seek and keep on seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking and you shall find. And knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and keep on knocking on the door and it shall be open to you. For everyone who asks and asks and asks and asks and asks and does not stop asking, he shall receive and everyone who seeks and seeks and seeks and seeks and seeks, he shall find. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you must, you must balance scripture with scripture. I know there are other places where Jesus said, you ask and you believe and you confess that you have it. Now, there's no contradiction here. You just got to know in your spirit what to do when. Sometimes you pray and sometimes God wants you to fast when you pray. Then there are times you just pray once and then you stand. I have heard, you know, I prayed God has heard. Then other times you just got to pray through. And, and, and other times, you know, there's some 
things that take years and you just have to stand your ground and, and, and you have got to say, you say, you know, this is my right to have this because Jesus has purchased it with his blood and the word of God promises it so I'm not going to back off. I mean, some things are promised in the scripture very clearly. Jesus says, this is what I have done for you. This is yours. And the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes. And we say amen to the glory of God. And so what do we do? We don't go for prayer three times and pray three times. And then we say, well, this will never happen. Maybe for some reason, which I don't understand. It's not the will of God. But we keep on asking and 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 asking. Because now why, why do things sometimes take time? I really don't know. But sometimes God, maybe, maybe he could just be wanting to see how desperate we are. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I've seen in Africa, uh, I've seen women carrying their crippled children on their back, walking 10 miles to a meeting. And nothing happens. Then they walk 10 miles back. And next evening, they're there again. They walk 10 miles. Walking 20 miles a day, carrying their crippled children. And in America, people will say, oh, I'm sorry, I missed the healing service. I was not feeling well. Do you understand? What I, you have a car? I was not feeling well. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if people are really desperate, that's what sometimes Jesus just wants to see, how bad you really want it. I mean, that's, I'm not saying... That is the answer, but that's the only plausible explanation I can see right now. Because there's really no explanation why sometimes miracles take time. We don't know. But what do we do? You ask and ask and ask and ask and ask, and then you seek and seek and seek and seek and seek, and you knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. Why? Because Jesus said, everybody who asks and asks and asks, he shall receive. Everybody, without exception, who seeks and seeks and seeks and seeks and seeks shall find. And everybody who knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks and keeps on knocking on the door, to him the door will be opened. So there's no impossibilities. Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's go to another example here. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. Are you getting anything out of this? Let's go to Luke chapter 18. Now this is Jesus again speaking to the disciples. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now let me explain to you what a parable is. A parable is a story built like an actual event. Except that event never took place. It's a fictitious description of an event. And that description is not perfect because there is one point in the story he wants to get through. And you might say, well, well, this is not, but that, this is not the point. This is the point that he's trying to get through. It's a fictitious story built like an actual, built like an event that actually happened, but it never really happened. And Jesus would make up these stories to, to teach his disciples, get a point through. And in this case, the point was 
he told them this parable so that they understood that men should always pray and not get weary. Are you with me? That's the whole point of this story, that men should always pray and they should not get weary. So here's the story. Verse 2, saying, There was in a city a a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city. So there's two people in this story. One is this guy who is kind of high and mighty. There are two contrasting personalities. One is this high and mighty guy. He's a judge. And uh, in those days, you know, a judge had the power of life and death. He was the law unto himself. He could interpret the law the way he wanted to and nobody could stop him. So this guy was obviously very arrogant. He did not fear God. He did not fear man. He pretty well did what he wanted to. And the other person in this story is a widow, an old lady. She has no husband, nobody to take care of her. And somebody had taken advantage of her and cheated her. So here you have these two contrasting personalities. One is the strong and the mighty, and the other is the weak and the vulnerable. Right? So this widow comes to the judge For help, for justice. And look at this guy's attitude. He took one look at her and he decided he did not like this woman. Verse 4. And he would not for a while. He decided I'm not going to do anything for her. But afterward he said within himself. Though I fear not God nor regard man. Yet because this widow troubleth me. I will avenge her lest by her continual coming he weary, she weary me. So what happened? He decided he's not going to give her anything. Do anything for her. But then it's obvious that this widow began to trouble him. And she began to wear him out. Because that's what he's saying. So this widow, he he just told her to get lost. But she refused to get lost. She camped outside his office. Every time he would look out his window, there was this widow woman. He walked back home. She was walking right behind him. He looks out the window. She's right there. He wakes up in the morning, goes to the kitchen to get some coffee and a sandwich. He looks out the window. Guess who's standing there? Everywhere she goes, he goes to the mall. She's walking behind him, right behind him. I want justice. She began to get on his nerves. Finally, he, I mean, he began to look forward to the time he could just close his eyes and sleep. He closed his eyes and guess who he's dreaming about? His dreams become nightmares. I mean, she is everywhere and she is now under his skin. You know, he can't, he can't get rid of her. So he says to himself, he says, you know what? He says, I don't fear God. I don't fear man. But this woman is getting under my skin. She's driving me nuts. I will give her what she wants lest she drives me crazy. I will give her what she wants. Because of her persistence. Now look at what Jesus says. The next verse. He says. I love this. Verse 6. And the Lord said. Hear what the unjust judge 
says. And this is what he had said. I will give her what she wants because she's wearing, wearing me out. Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on this earth. So he's saying, this is the story of this widow. Look at her and hear the words of the judge. I will give her what she wants because she doesn't give up. She doesn't know how to give up. She's getting under my skin. And of course, Jesus said, don't you think God will do the same for his children? But he says, but when I return to this earth, shall I find faith on this earth? What kind of faith is he talking about? He's talking about this widow woman's kind of faith. He's not talking about the 30 second faith, you know. Oh, you feel great. Oh, I'm going to get hands laid on me. Hallelujah. And people, you know, lay hands on you, give you a good Pentecostal massage. And you say, oh, glory. And 30 seconds later, you still feel the same. You say, oh, you know, it didn't work. Some people have 30 seconds faith. Some people have five minutes faith. Some people have two days faith, three days faith, seven days faith. But this woman, she had a kind of faith that didn't know how to give up. And that's the faith that Jesus is talking about. Now we talk about, you know, when Jesus is coming back, he's coming back for a church that is holy and pure, that is blemished, without blemish. But Jesus is looking for coming for a church that has three things. Firstly, he's coming back for a church that is holy and without blemish. Secondly, he's coming back for a church that has oil in its lamp. That has the anointing. Oil is a symbol of the anointing. There will be five of those virgins who will stand there waiting for him but no oil. The other five have the oil. He's coming back for a church that has the fire of the Holy Ghost. And the third thing, he's coming back for a church that has faith. The kind of faith that does not know how to give up. Because let me tell you, in these last days we are living in, the challenge is so great. The harvest is so great. I mean, I've seen, in, I've seen in Africa, I've seen how the value of the dollar has gone down and prices have gone up. Everything costs more. You understand what I'm saying? To do a crusade cost me three times as much as it did 10 years ago. But the Lord told me, this should never stop you. You can't do the work of God and be counting dollars and cents all the time because you will never do anything. So I said, Lord, what should I do? And Jesus said, you must have faith. It takes faith to do the work of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can't look at resources all the time because the condition this world is in. Now that people are talking about the stock market going down. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't like to be around people who talk that way. What they're actually saying that whatever we do for the kingdom of God, it depends upon the Dow Jones, what it looks like. It does not. It depends upon faith. It takes faith to do the work of God. Amen. Amen. Jesus wants us in these evil days we are in. He wants us to raise up our faith. 
Have more faith for souls and faith for your business that God will bless you and prosper you and God will meet your need. And, you know, we, 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 we got to have more faith. Hallelujah. Amen. And if we, if we, I tell you, most of us, you know, we spend all our time blaming Obama and all that. These next elections, we got a bunch of clowns who are running. Do you understand what I'm saying? Most people on both sides, they don't know who to vote for. But that's the way the world is going. And the thing is that if we spend all our time complaining about these clowns, there's no room for us to have faith. Because complaining and griping and faith somehow don't go hand in hand. A man who gripes and complains is not a man of faith. I can tell you that much. We got to speak the word of God. We got to do the things that we know best how to do. We got to do those things that, you know, I mean, we got an edge on certain things that the world doesn't have. We got the word of God. The world looks at this book and they think, you know, this doesn't make sense. But for us, this is everything. We believe it. And when we speak it, when we preach it, God moves on our behalf. And God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he says, as you go, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Amen. That's what he told us to do. He didn't say listen to Lou Dobbs and complain about what's happening in the world today. He didn't say that. So we, we got we to, believe me, we got we to be really focused. That's why Jesus says, you know, when I'm coming back, will I see faith on this earth? Because faith is the only thing that will get us over. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? You know, we think, somehow we Christians think, oh, we'll have a good godly government and we'll, there'll be plenty of money. It's not going to happen, beloved. That's a pipe dream. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's not, those days are gone. That's not going to happen. Christianity thrives best in opposition. There's something about Christianity. Christianity is built that it thrives best when things get tough. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's the way Christianity is. That's why Christianity is not for weaklings. It's not for the faint-hearted. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Hallelujah. Be strong in God's word. Believe God. And we will get the job done. Of preaching the gospel to every creature. Before Jesus returns. You see what I'm saying. So that's why Jesus said saying. When I return shall I find faith on the earth. And our answer is yes. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 10. The last verses. He says we are not of those. Who draw back into perdition. We are of those who believe. And win. Hallelujah. That's what Paul says. 
Amen. He says, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back from this life of faith, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But then he says, but you know what? We are not of those who draw back unto perdition. That is destruction. But we are of those who believe and win. Hallelujah. The believer is always a winner. Amen. Okay, now let me finish this by showing you one more story. Let's go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15. This is in verse 21. And Jesus went thence and departed unto the, into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Lord, send her away, for she crieth after us. So Jesus in the, is in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Okay? He is there. And then this Canaanite woman, that means she is not one of God's covenant people. She is not, you know, Jewish. She is not an Israelite. She has a big need. Her daughter is demon-possessed, and she knew that Jesus could cast out demons. None of the Pharisees could cast out devils, but Jesus could do it. So she came running after Jesus. She said, Lord, you son of David, my daughter is grievously, that means severely vexed or troubled or possessed by a devil. You know what Jesus does? Interestingly, verse 23, it says, he answered her not a word. Can you imagine Jesus just ignoring this woman? You know, it's almost like, oh my goodness, Jesus ignored this person. I think he's really testing her, how desperate she is, how bad she wants it. So she says, oh Lord, you know, she said the right things. She didn't say, hey Jesus, you got to pray for my daughter. She said, Lord, son of David, that's what blind Bartimaeus said. Lord, son of David, you know, you say the right things. Lord, son of David, help my daughter. And Jesus just pretends she didn't even exist. He walks on. Now, this woman could be offended. But instead of being offended, <coughs> she keeps on walking behind them, crying, shouting. Finally, the disciples thought, She's getting on their nerves, screaming. She said, Lord, please, this woman is walking behind us screaming. Would you please say something to her? So now Jesus, this is what he says. She say, he said in verse 24, he said, <coughs> I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The first time she asks, he ignores her. The second time she asks, he gives her a theological reason why he's not going to do for her. What he means is that God has sent me to do miracles for the Israelites and I'm sorry lady, you don't qualify, you're not an Israelite. I'm only sent to the lost sheep out of the house of Israel and then he continued walking. Now this woman, she could really be offended by them. First time I talked to the man, he ignored me. Treated me like I didn't even exist. Just walked away. Second time, he says he's not going to do it for me because I'm not an Israelite. What does she do? 
She comes on again the third time. Verse 25. Then, she, then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord help me. This time she even worships him. What does Jesus say? But he answered, verse 26, and said, It is not meat or it is not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Now, you're going to understand. In the Middle East, to call somebody a dog is a big insult. Huh? Now, in America, it isn't. Oh, you've got those beautiful puppy eyes. No. You see what I'm saying? That's... <laughs> And who looks like a cute, like a puppy dog, my boyfriend, you know. There, calling somebody a dog, because see, a dog is an unclean animal. Muslims, Jews, everybody, dogs. People don't have dogs in their home. Americans have, you know, their dogs even sleep with them. Oh, my Labrador sleeps with me. Well, there, they don't. They don't even come inside the house. People have dogs outside, and the dogs they keep outside are basically watchdogs. To bite thieves, you know. That's the only reason. They chain them up, starve them during the day. And so they walk around hungry during the night. Anyone comes close, you know. You know. Then they feed them something in the morning. That's how they treat dogs. And dogs are unclean. They don't pet their dogs. They don't touch them. Unclean. So if you really are angry at somebody, well, I grew up, you say, hey, you're a dog. Dog? You call me a dog? Yes, I said, you're a dog. No, I'm not a dog. You are a dog. Your father is a dog. Your whole family is dogs. And then, you know, they start fighting. <laughs> no. The Jews, the, Jew, <laughs> the Jews had this thing, you know. We are God's people. We are God's covenant. And everybody else is, is heathen. You know, they are all dogs. So, of course, they were smart. You know, Jewish people are very clever people. They wouldn't say to a Gentile on his face, hey, you're a dog, you know. They didn't want to get into a fight with anybody. But amongst each other, they would say, oh, you know, he's a dog. Or, oh, you know, she's dating a dog, you know. That, that kind of thing. They referred to Gentiles as dogs. So to call somebody a dog was like an insult. So the first time, Jesus ignores her. The second time, he says, you know, you're not Jewish, so I can't do this for you. Third time he says, he says, woman, let, let me spell this out for you. Let me tell you how this thing works. You see, the Jews, they are the children. The sandwiches are for them. I can't take the sandwiches that are intended for the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, this woman, now she had every right, you would think, to be offended. He ignores me. Then he tells me why he won't do this for me. Third time, he calls me a dog. You know what she does? She says, Jesus, okay, if you think I'm a dog, then I'm going to stand on my rights as a dog. Even dogs have certain rights. And then she begins to preach to him. She said, Lord, when the children are eating the sandwiches, and you know how messy kids are when they eat, there's breadcrumbs all over. You sweep the breadcrumbs on the floor, and those crumbs, what do you do with those kids, those crumbs? You don't put them back on the kid's plate to eat them. Those crumbs belong to the dogs who are outside the house. And he says, okay, if I'm a dog, if you say I'm a dog, I want my rights as a dog, and I want those breadcrumbs because there is healing power in every crumb that falls from your table. Hallelujah. 
Aleluya. Jesus was shocked. He said something like, Lady, you got me there. Be it unto you as you will. That's what he said. He honored her faith. Be it unto you as you will. And the woman's daughter was delivered. But, you know, when I read this, I thought of the time he went to his own hometown. And all those good people who had grown up in the synagogue with him. Right? And they say, who does he think he is? He's the son of Joseph and Mary. And they were offended at him. And he couldn't do anything there. And he marveled at their unbelief. And those are people who knew the word. And here's this woman who's a total outsider. He's amazed at her faith. And her faith lay in the fact that she knew she had no rights. You and I have certain rights. We know that Jesus did this for us and these are our rights. She had no rights to stand on. But what she stood on was what he was able to do. And she insisted that he does for her what he was able to do. Though she had no legal right to it. She just refused to give up. She says, okay, I'm not entitled to the sandwiches, but I want the crumbs that fall on the ground that you sweep off the floor and you throw outside and the dogs pick through the garbage eating those crumbs. I want those crumbs because there's power in those crumbs. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So that is what Jesus taught them about prayer. Persistence. Never give up. If it is in the Bible, if Jesus has purchased it for you through his blood, it belongs to you. It is your right. It is your birthright through the blood of Jesus. It belongs to you. Hold on to it. And if it doesn't come, just hold on to it. And if it still doesn't come, hold on to it. And don't give up. And don't give up. And hold on to the horns of that altar. And press into the throne of God. Ask and ask and ask and keep on seeking and seeking and seeking and keep on banging on the door because ultimately you're going to receive that which is yours. Hallelujah. Faith is a wonderful thing. Jesus says if you believe all things are possible. Nothing is outside of your reach. But God makes all things possible for you. Never give up. That is that aspect of prayer. That persistence in prayer. I mean we know how to pray. We pray. But that whole element of persistence in prayer. Because once we have established it is in the word. Once we have established that it belongs to us. You hold on to it. You pray. And you pray. And you pray. And you just hold on to it. And don't give up. Hallelujah. If we are praying for some relatives. Don't give up. If you're believing God for something in your own life, don't give up. Never give up. Amen? Praise God. Let's bow our heads together. Thank you, Father.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.